The Old Testament reading is from Isaiah 11. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice he, justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed together with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the surviving remnant of his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from the Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, and from the islands of the Mediterranean. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning again, everyone. Uh, As you've noticed in your bulletin, we're taking a break from our study of 1st and 2nd Corinthians during the time of Advent, or looking at this idea of the peaceable kingdom. And as visions of heaven go, as visions of a kingdom go, this one from Isaiah is particularly compelling, perhaps one of the most beautiful in the Bible. And we see God's promise of redemption. And Advent, Christmas really is a season about God's promises, that God would one day remake the world and would redeem everything that is broken and sad. And Isaiah paints a picture of that world, of that coming future, that one day would be a place of peace and safety, a place where former enemies, natural enemies, are reconciled. It's a beautiful picture of the kingdom of God, of the hope that you have in Christ, the peaceable kingdom, as it were. And there's a woodcut in your bulletin that we printed for you, and it's a version of a painting that has versions all over the world. And it's a very soft and serene work, almost childlike in its sort of folksy simplicity. There's a leopard that is lying with a lamb resting on its back. There's a a wolf that is snuggling with a sheep. And there's a snake, the symbol of enmity between humanity and the animal kingdom, resting at the feet of this child. And there's versions all over the world, mostly paintings. The one in your bulletin is a woodcut that is held at the de Young in San Francisco. There's a famous version in the National Gallery of Art in Washington, another in Brooklyn, still another at the Met 
in New York City. The Philadelphia Museum has an original, and even Montgomery, Alabama has one, the Alabama Museum of Fine Arts. All told, Edward Hicks painted this painting 61 times, at least. And in each of them, you see images like what Isaiah is talking about here. Wolves and lambs and leopards and children rest together. And always a child in the center. For Edward Hicks, this child represents the Messiah that would make all of this true. That would make all of this reality. And the fact that Edward Hicks painted this painting 61 times demonstrates to us that it can be painted Again, in fact, it needs to be, it must be painted again. What would the lions and the lambs and the cattle and the oxen and the bears resting together in a peaceable kingdom look like today in our world? Maybe it's Thanksgiving tables where we don't avoid politics as we talk Maybe it's Trump and Clinton supporters reclining at the table together. Maybe it's different races choosing to live next door to one another. Maybe it's Samaritans and Jews and Pharisees living together in joy. Maybe Portlanders and Californians getting along. That might be going too far. Just kidding. Isaiah is telling us that this vision isn't a pipe dream, but it will be reality, and that we should get used to living with this reality, with people different from us, because that will be the makeup of God's future kingdom, that that will be the makeup of heaven itself, and it will come through a Messiah, a child Messiah, what Isaiah calls here the root of Jesse. And I want to explain what that means and how that brings us hope in this time of Advent, just with three words. And the first word is stump, that a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Now, Isaiah's readers would know what he is talking about. That is the, the fallenness, the cessation of the Davidic kingdom, that all of the hopes rested in this kingdom of David being eternal and lasting forever. And that was the prophecy in Second Samuel that said that this kingdom will last forever. And yet Israel finds itself in exile, overpowered by its enemies. They've been exiled, and they're living in desolation. They would know what the stump represents. That is the deadness of their hopes, the deadness of their kingdom. Their hopes have been dashed. Their expectations have been crushed. And maybe we can relate this morning. Maybe it's not first our national identity, but... Your life, your personal life feels like a stump. Maybe you haven't gotten what you want out of life and things in life just feel stagnated. And there's no reason to hope that tomorrow will be any different. Or maybe you have gotten what you want out of life and yet you're still restless and you're still unhappy. And all of us must look around at our world and we see the degradation of the environment, we see injustice, we see oppression, we see fighting, we see warfare, where we long for justice, where we long for peace, where we long for mercy. And we wonder, when will it end? And so maybe we sing our Christmas songs this year with a little bit of pessimism, 
a little bit of cynicism, a little bit of disenchantment. But Christianity and Christmas, in fact, takes this situation very seriously. It recognizes the juxtaposition of those two realities, a world that is spinning out of control and falling apart, and a promised world where wolves and lambs lie down together. In Advent, we take time, first of all, to mourn those stumps in our lives. And we ask God intentionally to do something about them, to change the reality. In the midst of one of the most fractious and adversarial times in our political landscape that most of us can remember, and while this national acrimony seeps down into the cracks of our relationships at home, in our marriages, in our workplaces, even in our church, we ask God during this Advent season to do something new. When Isaiah's audience looked around at their world, their dynasty had fallen, and they had been overpowered and exiled by a foreign power. Their nation literally, not literally, but figuratively, figuratively was a stump. They were hopeless. They were utterly ruined and dejected. But it was in that situation, and mo- mo- perhaps only in that situation, that they came to realize that there was no human agency that would remedy that. There was no human capacity that could fix what was wrong in their world, the fallenness of their kingdom. And that's the first truth of Advent that we have to wrestle with, the first realization that we must make in order for the Christmas story to make any sense at all that there is no human capacity that is able to rescue this planet from itself, to rescue ourselves from our own evil intentions. There's nothing that you and I can do to fully fix ourselves, to fully mend the brokenness of our hearts, to satisfy the deepest desires that we have. There's nothing that we can do to meet all of those things. And this is the stump This is the reality of the brokenness of our world and of our own lives, and we have to reckon with it. We have to reckon with it in order to see the second word. That is the shoot. There's the reality of the stump, but there is hope to be had. There's a shoot. There's a sapling. There are signs of life. Isaiah tells us a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. And this shoot, this sapling is the thing outside of ourselves, outside of human capacity, that is, in fact, grounded in the reality of the stump. In fact, we can only see this shoot, we can only have hope in it if we understand and recognize how much of a stump that our lives have become. We're all looking for this shoot in our lives. Even if we're not religious at all, we're looking for this sign of life and an advancement in a politician, in a relational resolution that gives us a glimmer of hope that things might be different, that the things, the way things are aren't the way they will always be. But if we're followers of Christ, if we bought into this story, doesn't the promised resolution still seem so far away? Isn't the Isn't that one of the most difficult things 
the most difficult demands of faith to not lose hope when things never seem to change, when the promises of Advent seem so far off that it's difficult to believe that the gospel rests in the story of a child who becomes a slain king who will one day come to remedy everything that is wrong. When that seems so far away, it is so difficult to sing the songs of Christmas with actual hope. But this is the point of faith, and this is the place of trust. Listen to this. Richard Rohr says, The theological virtue of hope is the patient and trustful willingness to live without closure, without resolution, and still be content, even happy, because our satisfaction is now at another level and our source is beyond ourselves. And that's the third word, source. Verse 10 says, In that day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples, and the nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. The shoot of verse 1 comes from the root of verse 10. And you see, this root is not just another son of Jesse. It is not just another king, another human, but it is the source of Jesse himself. It is the creator of Jesse. And he doesn't just come as another king in power, but he comes in weakness. He comes as a baby, as a vulnerable child Messiah, like in the painting, who grows to become a Savior. But to do this, to become that Savior, he becomes, first of all, a stump. Jesus is cut down. The King, the Creator of the world, allows himself to be cut down. And what is the result? Verse 8, the infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In the Old Covenant, the knowledge of the Lord was localized in the temple and the holy mountain of Sinai. Come to the mountain, come to the holy city to meet with God. But in Jesus, the mountain goes forth. The knowledge of the Lord is expanded to the edges of the earth. And now it's no longer simply come for grace, but grace goes out in the knowledge of Jesus. And it says that all nations are grafted into this source, this root of Jesse. You see, what God is saying, friends, in Advent is that My beautiful world has been ruined. I sent my son to you, and you killed him. And everything spiraled out of disarray. The world has been ruined, and I want it back. All of it. I want to make it beautiful again. In fact, in a beauty that would far exceed what Eden was. You see, God is not content just to simply rescue a few souls but he is creating a peaceable kingdom where the world is filled with the innocent delight of children, where animals don't know to be afraid of one another. 
when I was a kid, we found um, three little tiny baby raccoons, and we're not sure what happened to the mom, but she never came back around. And so we nursed them, and we kept them. We kept them in this little box out in our shed. And we would go out there, my brother and I, and we would feed them and play with them. I guess we weren't worried about diseases or rabies, but they were super cute. And we loved them, we named them, and then weeks passed. And I went out there one day, and I reached down to pick one of, one of them up, and it went, and it hissed at me. And I was like, you ingrateful little animal. I've been feeding you. One moment, one day, I was a surrogate for its mom, and now I'm an enemy. Their instinct clicked on just like that, and they knew that I'm a threat, or at least they thought I was. Fear, suspicion, self-protection is woven not only into our own experience, but into the very fabric of our existence, into the fabric of our cosmos. And you see, Edward's, Edward Hicks' painting isn't of angels on clouds. It's not of interminable church meetings. But it's the kind of reality that we're all looking for. The cessation of that suspicion. The cessation of that competitiveness, competitiveness where we're worried that we're going to get hurt. It's the reality that we're all looking for. It is peace. The cessation of all hostility. The peaceable kingdom. What if that were true? What if that was really your hope this Advent season? What if Edward Hicks' painting wasn't just a whimsical fantasy, but it was a picture of the future? It's so difficult to believe, isn't it? I admit that. But isn't there a part of your heart, even if you're not a believer this morning, that wants it to be true, that says that is the way things should, should be? That's the way the world is supposed to be. Is that your hope this Advent season? Is that what you're working for in your relationships, in your work life? If you're part of InTown, is that why you're here? to work toward that peaceable kingdom in any way that you can, to paint pictures by your life and the community life here of the world to come, to be the canary in the coal mine that signals that a new world is approaching, a new kingdom is on the move and will one day be fully real. Is that why you're here? To be people that tell people about the source of this new kingdom. We cannot fix the stumpness of our own lives. But if we will ask, if we will reach out to Jesus, our lives can be grafted onto Him, the shoot, the root of Jesse that has emerged from the stump. We can pray that this Advent season, His peace will not only fill us, but transform us that even when we face the stumpness of our lives, of our relationships, of our work, the reality of Advent tells us that we can have hope, that we can have peace. You see, the songs of Christmas, the promises of Christmas shouldn't just warm our hearts. They shouldn't just cause us to be sentimental, but they should change your life and through you, the lives of others. Let's pray. 
Dear Jesus, give us visions of this peaceable kingdom. Give us visions of how we as a community here at InTown could paint pictures that the world needs to see, could paint pictures that we need to see, for we have not arrived in our thinking, in our perspective that allows us to live with hope in, the spite, in spite of everything that seems to be negative and going in the opposite direction. We have issues of unbelief, and Father, I pray that you would meet us in those and help us to believe, especially during this Advent season. Help us to believe for an unbelieving world, that by our lives, by our community life together, that people would get a sense of where the true source of happiness really lies. And as we gather around presents, as we gather around trees, as we gather around meals together this season, I pray that we would look to the source, source, that we would tell stories about the source, and that our lives would be transformed so that your world might be transformed. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're going.